Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Thanks for being with me. Brian Mazurowski back here with you on WBEN. Uh, Joe is off today. Some well-deserved rest staying up late to watch that Bills game last night. And uh, he'll be back with me coming up on Monday. Um, heavy stuff. Here on WBEN this morning, but a topic I've been looking into over the past week as advocates have been coming into town to talk about New York's Medical Aid in Dying Act, something that is not allowed here right now, but it's not been without discussion. Medical Aid in Dying Act first introduced in the state legislature in 2016. It would allow a terminally ill adult with six months or less to live to request a prescription from their doctor for pills they can take to die. Ten states have this as a law right now. Canada has a version of this. And joining me right now on the line is Corinne Carey, who is the senior New York campaign director for Compassion and Choices, which has been lobbying for this law to take hold and advance in the state legislature. Uh, Corinne, thanks so much for being with me this morning. Thank you so much for having me. I want to start with, uh, you've been in town this week in Buffalo. What got you into this effort to advance medical aid in dying in New York State? Ah, good question. Um, My father was diagnosed with lung cancer about six years ago, and he was much closer to death than any of us thought. Uh, And watching the final four months of his life really got me interested in how people talk about how they plan for the kind of care that they want. Um, In retrospect, I think my dad got more care than Uh, than he should have. His quality of life would have been much better if he had stopped sooner and gained access to hospice services. But there's a tendency for us to really hang on to any hope and pursue treatment that becomes, you know, detrimental and, and cuts down on the quality of our lives at the end. So I started looking into this and found the group Compassion and Choices and learned that they were working to both improve care for people at the end of life, but also expand options for them. And I thought this this is a great role for me. So that's when I joined the campaign. So when it comes to, you mentioned right there, a lot of people are trying to find any way. I mean, I, mean, I think that is everybody's natural uh, reaction to hearing news of a terminal illness. What can we do? How long 
can we go? Through your work, I'm guessing you found people who don't quite think that way. Well, no. In fact, I think you're right. I think the impulse is to do everything that you can to stay alive as long as possible, to be with your family, to finish things that you want to do in your life. But at some point, treatment has really run its course and you end up with an illness that is incurable, irreversible, and further treatment only causes damage and harm. And so the, you know, the people that I've met and worked with, and they've been hundreds of people across the state over the past seven and a half years that I've been doing this work, they do everything that they can. And then when the time comes for them to face the inevitable end, they look for what options exist in New York for peaceful and painless dying. And that's where New York falls short. There is, uh, I think, a pretty clear difference between refusing treatment and what this bill would call for, a medical aid in dying. Why does there need to be uh, uh, something to, you know, kind of make up that difference? Why is refusing treatments, and which you are able to do, and you or somebody else who you designate would be able to make that decision in many different scenarios, why is that not enough in your mind? For some people, refusing treatment, um, stopping eating and drinking, Entering hospice, receiving excellent palliative care allows people to die a peaceful death, for sure. We've seen this in our own families. It it happens all the time. But for some people with certain types of illnesses, many times that illness is cancer or certain neurodegenerative diseases like ALS and Huntington's, um, the dying process is prolonged and torturous. And hospice providers know better than anyone else, that at some point, even the best hospice and palliative care can't alleviate all of the suffering for some of these people. And so while it is a small group of people who fall into this category of not being, not having their suffering alleviated with this type of excellent care, um, we need another option. They they want to gather their family around them to know the time of their death and to avoid the needless suffering that comes at the very end for them, for those particular types of uh, deaths and diseases. You, you know, you brought up something that I think a, a lot of people might not think of, um, and that is to bring your family around them when you uh, so you can know. Uh, you, you know, so often with these illnesses— it is uh, still unknown. You know, you can get a diagnosis from a doctor, but nobody really knows when that time is going to come. And that can create some stress on everybody in the situation, including the person going through this who wants to be with their family, who wants to have some sort of closure. What are some of the stories you hear uh, on that point uh, that I think, you know, a lot of people wouldn't really think of? Well, I think we've got a lot of stories here in Buffalo. Um, You know, three really amazing people have died, have advocated for this bill and died during the course of this campaign, pleading with lawmakers to meet with them, 
and to give them this option. Um, public interest lawyer Bernadette Hoppy, who I graduated from Buffalo Law School with, um, Bernadette had a terrible kind of cancer at the end. And instead of being able to kind of bask in the love of her community uh, and receive all of the, the praise that she got at her memorial service, she spent the past the last few weeks of her life worrying about the pain and suffering and trying to go back and forth to doctors and and calibrate the pain medication and try different methods of pain delivery. It was an awful way to die. And she died alone in a hospice facility. It would have been much preferable to her to be surrounded by the people that she loved. Dr. Bob Milch, who many of your listeners may know, the founder, uh, one of the co-founder of Hospice Buffalo, the campus is now named after him, one of the first 11 hospices in the country. This is a man who knew quality hospice and palliative care, who received it, who delivered it, and yet and still, he was an advocate for this because he knew that his, his toolbox, as it were, was limited uh, that he needed this extra tool to provide excellent care to his patients. And at the end, he himself suffered. How does someone suffer when they, he's more connected than anyone to being able to receive the best care? Um, his case alone provides all of the evidence that we need to show that we need another option, that even, even when you're connected and have access to this best care, um, another story, uh, which was, you know, your readers, your listeners may have read in the Buffalo News is about Jennifer Millich, uh, a devoted mom, a disability rights ad- advocate, and a staunch Buffalo Bills fan. The end of her life was terrible. Um, they could not control her pain. She could not get relief from the suffering that came. And she suffered for more than a year um, at the end of her life. And she desperately wanted this option and wasn't able to access it. So there are, and I'm sure your listeners have experiences where loved ones have begged and begged for relief from the suffering that comes at the end of life. And that's, that's why we need this option. Uh, again, we're speaking with uh, Corinne Carey, Senior New York Campaign Director for Compassion and Choices. You mentioned a lot of names there. Some our listeners may be familiar with, but uh, you know, not to take the matter lightly and with all due respect, I think the name that a lot of listeners are thinking of right now is Dr. Kevorkian, right? I mean, that is the image most people have in their mind? Uh, Is it the image you might have had in your mind when you're first thinking about medical aid in dying? Well, actually, no. Um, I I am aware of Dr. Jack Kevorkian. I am of a certain age and and know who he is. But his methodology of helping people end their lives sooner um, was much different than what we're talking about here in New York. And I think what really changed the landscape around the discussion of medical aid and dying is a young woman named Brittany Menard, who you or some of your listeners may recognize. Brittany Menard was on the cover of People magazine. It was the most sold issue, the, the most uh, read piece online from that magazine's history. And she was a 29-year-old woman who had just gotten married in California, a beautiful woman who shortly after she got married was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Um, she had the same illness that John McCain had, uh, a Republican lawmaker who, who, who died a few years ago. Brittany Menard asked her doctors what it would look like when her time finally came because this was a, a fatal illness. And she did everything that she could to stay alive. And her doctors described 
what the dying process would look like for her, likely. And she said, I do not want to go through that. Um, what can you do to help me die? And she said, and her doctor said, medical aid in dying is not legal in California. This was in 2014, um, but it is in Oregon. And so she had the resources and the wherewithal and moved to Oregon with her husband, Dan Diaz, and proceeded to use the remainder of her life to advocate for passage of that bill in California, which ultimately passed in 2015. And Dan remains an advocate with us to this day. And so Brittany's story, I think, changed the landscape and showed people what it was to give people autonomy at the end of their lives and put the power in their hands, not a doctor who would administer medication. That's something that we we don't do in this country, um, but giving people the power to determine when, where, and how they leave in a way that's consistent with their own faith and their own values and their own beliefs. Um, in Canada, there, there is, excuse me, a form of this uh, medical aid in dying. Um, and since that has been uh, enacted, Parliament passed their Medical Assistance in Dying Act in 2016, there have been uh, about over 30,000 uh, deaths. And, and the number's growing year after year amongst 18 to 45-year-olds in that country. I'm not a big uh, proponent of a slippery slope argument, but I think a lot of the concern when it comes to this particular subject is maybe potentially what we're seeing north of the border. Uh, Now, in Canada, you have to be over 18, and you have to be uh, suffering from something that cannot be remediated or treated in some way that's acceptable to you which is pretty open-ended. In some provinces up there, nearly 5% of deaths are from medical assistance in dying, and that's being attributed to more and more doctors taking a, a kind of liberal view when it comes to defining a reasonably foreseeable death. What do you say to people who are looking at what's being proposed in New York State and think, I can see some of the value in this, but I also fear very greatly us going too far in one direction. Well, I would say to those people to take heart, because the laws in the United States are very, very different from the law in Canada and the laws in Europe. And so when opponents of the medical aid and dying law here in New York bring up these arguments, We point to the fact that Oregon first passed a medical aid and dying law. It was the first in the country in 1994. And since then, none of the core eligibility provisions have ever changed. And every state that has followed, whether they legalize this process through ballot referenda, through court decision, or through the legislature, has ever changed. So in every state in this country, You have to be terminally ill with an illness that is incurable and irreversible. You have to have a six-month prognosis from two doctors, and both doctors need to confirm that you are mentally capable of making this decision. No medication can be prescribed to you unless and until that mental health professional then determines that you have the mental capacity to make the decision. And you have to ingest the medication on your own. So from start to finish, it's the dying person in charge of the process. Disability, um, you know, age, 
dissatisfaction with the quality of your life. None of these things would qualify anyone for medical aid and dying in any state in this country. And the guard against what people consider to be the slippery slope is us. It's you. It's me. It's your listeners. It's our lawmakers. Um, we're not going to have a slippery slope without the kind of robust debate that we're having now. And frankly, it's just never happened in this country. We don't have the same sort of values uh, as some other countries have. And so we're very strict in terms of eligibility. And in fact, less than 1% of all people who die in authorized jurisdictions have used the law. I mean, I can speak to my experience in New Jersey, where I led the campaign to pass the law in 2019, and only 45 people used the law in the first two years. So, you know, that number will grow slightly, but it will plateau um, to be just like all of the other states where a very few people uh, actually end up using. And I'll tell you that only a third, um, I'm sorry, fully a third of the people who get the medication in these states um, never take it. They just derive peace mm-hmm. of mind knowing that there's another option. It's very interesting. I, is it culture? Is it the way the law is written? Um, or, or maybe something else, why there would be such a difference between, I, I mean, it, it is always interesting here in Buffalo, obviously, uh, or uh, I look at Canada as more of our neighbor than New Jersey, even though they both sh- share a border with New York. We're right there in Canada. Um, why do you think there is such a difference there? Well, I don't want to speak to the values of Canadians. I Canadians are great people, uh, and I don't want to speak to to that because I'm not Canadian. But I will say that there is a a particular kind of reverence for life in this country and a fear of of not having it. I don't know how to put it any better. But, you know, the debates that we've had around reproductive rights and about life-sustaining treatment and the high-profile cases that we've seen over the decades around withdrawal of life-sustaining treatment, we really get into those issues here in the United States, and it matters to us how we make those decisions. Um, Even, you know, establishing a law in New York that would allow a health proxy to make decisions for you at the end of life, which is standard to most of us now. We're familiar with that process. That battle was a 20-year battle um, over, over trying to figure out whether a healthcare proxy would act in your best interest. And there was a concern that they wouldn't. And so I think we just have a different way of thinking about every moment of our lives being precious. Uh, so what does it look like uh, from here going forward? You, you've been on this uh, path, uh, lobbying for this throughout the state, uh, especially hard this week. Where does this stand right now in the legislature? What does it look like for the future of this act? Well, we have an incredible group of sponsors. Um, we have over 72 lawmakers across the state co-sponsoring the bill. Um, but we're going to enter a new legislative cycle in January of 2023, and the bill will need to be reintroduced. Look, this bill's been pending for seven long years. The questions that lawmakers have have been asked and answered. We've had community conversations in every corner of the state, from Buffalo to Brooklyn, from the tip of the North Country in Malone, all the way down to Montauk in Long Island. And, you know, one thing is clear, the vast majority of New York voters want 
terminally ill people to have this option, even if they wouldn't use it themselves. So the time is is now. We need to pass this bill in 2023. Lawmakers, by inacting, by not acting, um, are showing a callous disregard, both for voters' will here in New York, but also for the people who are dying and suffering needlessly. We have lost 22 advocates over the course of this campaign, not just people who wanted the option, but people who walked the hallways in Albany, who jumped onto Zoom meetings with lawmakers during COVID, who tabled at the New York State Fair collecting petitions, 22 people who died waiting for lawmakers to act. We can't have this lag one more year. We can't have New York lag behind all of these other states that allow it and allow people to continue to suffer. So lawmakers have to pick up and pass this bill as their first order of business in 2023. Corinne, thanks so much for the time this morning. Um, Definitely an interesting topic for a a lot of New Yorkers to discuss, uh, even if it is a tough subject. Uh, Corinne Carey is senior New York campaign director for Compassion and Choices, lobbying across the state for the Medical Aid in Dying Act that was first introduced in 2016 and is still going through the process in Albany. Uh, Your thoughts on this or more? 803-0930. I'll be back here after the news on WBEM. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Back here, Brian Masrowski on WBEN until 10 o'clock. Then we got David Belvia coming up. Joe is off today, and he'll be back here with me on Monday. Can't wait for that. Hey, um, how about your chance to win? Dun- I got the music right here, Jimmy. Dun, 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 dun. You can win a, a f- pair of tickets. <laughs> Don't know why. 
thought it was any more than that. A pair of tickets to go see the matinee performance at Trans-Siberian Orchestra, The Ghosts of Christmas Eve, The Best of TSO, and more. Returning to KeyBank Center for two shows Thursday, December 22nd. Showtime's at 3 p.m. and 7.30 p.m. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. A dollar from every ticket purchased for the afternoon performance goes to the Oshai Children's Hospital. You can win a pair of tickets to the 3 o'clock show on December 22nd by being caller number 3 into 202-WBEN-202-9236. So there you go. Your chance to win. You could be going over to CTSO. Want to uh, give a big thanks out to my guest in the first half of the show, Corinne Casey, who was the senior New York campaign director for Compassion and Choices. Uh, going out and talking about that, it's not an easy subject to talk about. And I thought she did a great job with us right here. The whole issue, and you can weigh in with your thoughts, 803-0930. A few of you have over at WBEN uh, on our text board, 803-0930. And you can give a call as well. The issue, I think, is extremely complex. And there's no right or wrong answer to how you feel about it. Everyone's going to have their different feelings. On our text board this morning, somebody uh, texting in as somebody who lives in constant pain due to previous injuries, I can understand how that can affect a person. People with terminal illness should have the ability to end their own lives. No one should be forced to suffer needlessly if there's no hope of recovery. And that's coming from our text board. Again, uh, 803-0930 for you to weigh in uh, either there or by giving me a call this morning. And I think that is most likely the most popular opinion on the matter. That no one should be forced to suffer if there's no hope of recovery and if there is a pain-free viable option otherwise. I think that would be the you know, popular decision amongst a lot of people. I, but it is more complex than that. And uh, Corinne, when she was on with us, she did, a, I think, a, a pretty great job of talking about what's going on in Canada. But it is... I think disturbing to a lot of people. You can think that and agree with the person who texted in. Uh, People with terminal illness should have the ability, the opportunity, if there's no hope of recovery, to end their own lives. You can still agree with that and look at Canada and how they've treated their medical assistance in dying law and think, I don't know if this is a good thing to be put on the books. And that's, I think, where I come down on this. On its surface, I don't see a big problem with the Medical Aid and Dying Act that's in New York State Legislature. But I would be concerned about what might happen in the future if something like that is passed. 
Again, we went through it with Corinne, but in Canada, there's been over 30,000 of these types of deaths since that act passed in 2016. And, you know, that number on its own might not mean a lot, but when you dive into it, it is kind of stunning in some cases that it's growing year after year amongst 18 to 45-year-olds. Now, that is not the age group you would typically think this would apply to. In some Canadian provinces, nearly 5% of deaths are, they call it MAID, medical assistance in dying deaths. And they're saying more and more it's because doctors are kind of being more liberal when it comes to defining what is a reasonably foreseeable death. And in their law, it, it is a pretty liberal law and way to look at it. The qualifications are, are not what's spelled out here in New York. In Canada, you have to be over 18. And, and this is the quote. This is how the law is written. You have to have suffering that cannot be remediated or treated in some way that's acceptable to you. I mean, that can apply to anything. Really. A formal assessment from a doctor could be conducted virtually over Zoom. If you had a condition and said you were suffering and the treatment was not acceptable to you. I think people who look at and support the Medical Aid and Dying Act here in New York could also look at how that is playing out in Canada. And you could be supportive of what's introduced here in New York and say, hang on a second. Um, look at what is supposedly, I mean, the name is almost exactly the same, supposedly a similar law just north of the border, a 15-minute drive away, and uh, be totally unsupportive of how it's applied there. And I think that would be the main concern amongst people. Other people, as pointed out on our text board this morning, would have, you know, a religious reason, a faith reason, a moral, a personal reason to be opposed to this. I understand that as well, but my reaction to those reasons would be nobody is forcing it on you. Um, if you were, as uh, some person pointed out on our text board, uh, would a religious group consider this uh, a form of suicide, a, a form of sin? And I would say probably yes, but uh, again, that would be to yourself. Uh, if you saw it this way, nobody would be forcing your hand and saying that you have to do this. In the end, it is a personal decision. That's how the law would be written here in New York State. Personal decision. Only you can do this. Nobody else can do this and put it upon you. Only you can take that medication. Only you can make the decision, not somebody else, not a healthcare proxy. Only yourself could make that decision under the law as it's presented here in New York. So uh, from that standpoint, if you have a moral problem 
a faith-based problem, then it wouldn't affect you. It, it wouldn't impact you. You would not have to go through with it. Somebody else chiming in. We're all terminal from the day we're born. Uh, it's important to take that into consideration. Um, I, I see the personal reaction to this, why you might not do it. That's not where my concern would be. Again, it would be on, it starts here, does it end there? Or does it eventually go further? And you'd have good reason to wonder about that, right? Uh, Corinne spelled out why you shouldn't, if you have that concern, you shouldn't be worried that New York would end up like Canada. Uh, She points to other areas of the U.S. It hasn't gone that way so far. The law would be very different. You'd have to be seen by two doctors, given that same diagnosis, the prognosis of terminal illness, less than six months to live, two separate doctors. You'd have to have a separate separate mental health evaluation, too, to make sure that you can undergo that decision. It is very different from what's in Canada. But what were we talking about earlier today? Just about an hour ago, we were sitting here. I was talking with Erie County Legislator Gene Vinyl, and we were talking about the tolls. You know, what happened? The tolls on the thruway, every tax. It was originally, all right, we're going to put this in place. It's going to pay for the project, and then they'll go away, no problem. And where are we here in the year 2022? Not only have they not gone away, we're talking this week about raising them 75%. So, yeah, I, I think you would be totally within reason to worry about a slippery slope argument and totally within reason to support the Medical Aid and Dying Act as it's presented in New York State, as it has been presented since 2016. But still not want to see it take effect into law because of what's going on in Canada, where the law is uh, very different. So that's where I, uh, you know, kind of see that issue staying right now. It's... It's complex, and uh, you you are able to have, (laughs) I think, you're able to see both sides in one. On our text board this morning, 803-0930, someone saying a lack of health coverage or adequate health coverage Refusal to improve the health system could play a factor into this. We're always talking about that. Could that result in more people going this way? I, You know, like I said, I, I don't think there is an invalid. When you're talking about something as serious as this, I don't think there is an invalid concern. Somebody else, why do we need the government to give us permission? Again. I don't think there are invalid responses to this. And somebody else saying, sounds like a slippery slope issue. That That is my issue. What's to stop the government from going further, going after groups that people, uh, uh, for people that are considered 
a burden. And, and that is, a, I would say, a big concern on that. Y- you would hope, right, it stays the way it is. If it stayed the way that it's written right now, I think a lot of those concerns aren't, aren't there. But again, as we were talking about the tolls, as we talk about so many other things, I think that uh, that would be an issue. Things change, or or don't change for that matter, right? The tolls go. The tolls are supposed to go away. Instead, they've uh, only gone up. This law would supposed to stay the same, but there's no guarantee in what the future would hold once you open that door. Uh, other news this morning: we were talking a little bit about the Supreme Court. Is as many people expected going to take up the student loan forgiveness program, uh, meaning the plan is blocked. I I feel like where I've come down on this issue, and we did take one comment on this on our text board earlier this morning that I I did think was pretty rich. (laughs) So to the point where I'm wondering if it was sarcasm, but somebody saying, why should it be up to me to pay for your child's education? And I, you know, I, I don't respond most part, but the response would be, um, hello. That's that's what we do in society. That's you're you're doing that every time. I in fact I just got my school tax bill in the mail. Like like that is what we do in society to kind of help us keep moving forward. Help keep everybody educated. We all pitch in for that. I, and that is a part of it. Um, now, this, however, is not exactly the same thing. But if you're going to take that attitude, I, I think that attitude could be thrown right out. The student loan forgiveness, not the same thing at all. But I think I've settled in on the one aspect of this that I would hope everybody can agree with, no matter what side of this you fall on. Whether you're pro-canceling this debt You see it as a great benefit to a whole generation of people or whether you are completely against it. You say if this debt is forgiven, why not other pieces of debt? And you are, this is hitting on a big point, you want to point out that this does not solve the problem. It solves the problem for some people, but it does not solve the problem. It does not do anything to solve the problem Going forward, whichever of those sides you fall on, I feel like everybody can kind of come together on the one issue that we need to figure out what's going to happen soon, right? Whether you're for it or against it, you need to figure it out like yesterday. Because the uncertainty, I I cannot imagine the uncertainty. So I've been on this show, I've explained my position too. It stinks for me because I had paid back the rest of my loans, coincidentally, just about $10,000 worth. (laughs) Um, Shortly after the pandemic pay pause period, uh, money that could have been wiped, money that I would not have been able to, or, or I could have just not paid on, right? I wouldn't have been charged interest for this entire time since I made the payment. And it might have just been wiped away without me doing anything. And I paid it. The stupidest decision of my life to uh, pay back a loan. Uh, 
so so that's where you know I am very personally speaking on this. But I would much rather be in my position right now than if I were 10 years younger and still had that heavy loan that I'm staring at wondering what's going to happen. I can't imagine being in a position where I'm 23 years old, going day to day, not knowing, hey, am I going to have like a safety net? Am I going to have a reasonable blanket here? Or am I going to be broke? Am I going to have $10,000 in my pocket or not? And when that's all the money you have in the world at, you know, a certain age or more than you have, I mean, that's an insane thing to not know. You can't go forward in life with that uncertainty. So whichever way it is. Yes, we're going to forgive it. No, we're not. I kind of feel like everybody is should be on board at least with let's figure it out today as soon as possible because what definitely isn't good for everybody is a bunch of people, a generation of people walking around saying, uh, am I going to have uh, enough money to buy a house, start a family, buy a car, do whatever? Or not. So speed at getting this underway, I think, would be number one. I think that can unify some people. I like to look at where we have commonality rather than just boom, boom, bashing heads all the time. And while I thought, I kind of think uh, still that there is some agreement that whether you're for or against this particular program, I'd like to think most people can see that it doesn't do anything to solve the problem at the end. Um, I do know that most people can get behind, hey, whichever way you fall on this, we have to make a decision, ASAP, because the uncertainty is the one thing that is not good for us and is not good for a whole generation of people. Um, I cannot wait for tomorrow. U.S. World Cup game. These things only come around once every four years. We didn't make it last time. Eight years in the making. 10 a.m. on a Saturday. I'm pumped and I'm ready to go for it. It it came as a perfect time. The Bills could have lost yesterday, honestly. And I still would have woke up this morning and been reading about the Dutch. So I'm glad the Bills won. But if they wanted to sneak in a win, yesterday would have been the time. You've kind of lost that opportunity on me. Anyways, go USA tomorrow. I'll be back here on Monday with Joe Beamer, who will be beside me. Big thanks to Jim behind the board. We'll see you next week. Beamass and Beamer on WBEN. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? 
We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.